From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh, hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's Mike. Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for downloading this latest podcast listening for the next half hour. As I talk about, uh, well, whatever floats my boat. That's basically how the podcast works. Pretty quiet Mother's Day weekend in these here parts. Uh, you know, I did... Uh, I did give my uh, wife some booze and candy. She loved the candy. Hasn't gotten into the booze yet. Because uh, we've been busy with uh, kids and work and all that stuff. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we get a moment to uh, enjoy some adult libations on the porch. That's that's what summer's all about, really, in my opinion. Yeah, the kids having fun, that's good. But uh, sitting out and enjoying the warm weather and a cold beverage. Taking it all in. We did go out for a walk uh, Saturday. Walked around some parts of where we lived, and it, it kind of reminds we we left the kids with her mom, their grandma, and uh, that's why it reminded me of Kokomo. It was pre kids, and uh, my wife and I used to go on walks around town, bike rides around town, and this little moment by ourselves kind of reminded me of that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the kids, but I also love the quiet of nature as well. Uh, we'll see if we can squeeze in a few more of those walks. But, uh, you know, very grateful for her to be the mom of my kids. She's very good at it. Uh, kind of a side story. I saw this uh, Todd Bowles, not Bowles, head coach for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, recently completed his college degree. He finally got it uh, at the age of 59 years old. He uh, fulfilled a promise to his late mom that he would graduate college. Of course, I, th- I think he's done all right with himself. Regardless of getting that degree, um, just honoring what he said to his mom. But I would think that she'd be proud of him no matter what. Okay, uh, do get a week off coming up after Memorial Day from work. Looking forward to that. I uh, kind of scheduled it because, like where I work, um, you you get a week off, but you take it in succession, and then any other time you can just take like uh, days off. So I had to take a full week off before I take any other time off, right? So I scheduled it after Memorial Day, which I already get off, so I get the following Monday off. It's uh, basically Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, 5, and 1. That is uh, quite a bit of time off. That's <laughs> that's 10 days off, uh, if you think about it. Not bad, uh, and I'm going to get in as much rest as I can. Uh, that's what normal people do on vacation. Uh, my mother-in-law was asking my wife, I, I didn't hear this, but my, uh, Jenny told me this. Uh, her mom was wondering why I didn't schedule my appointments during my time off. Like, why is he going to see the doctor or this or this or this on his time off? And she's like, Mom, he's not like you. He wants to rest. And, and to her credit, like, her mom uh, had a job where she commuted a uh, round trip two hours a day. From one town to the next to uh, keep the mortgage paid and the bills on. So I kind of get why on her time off she would uh, schedule appointments. Because it's kind of hard to do when you're spending so much time traveling and working. Uh, I don't really have to worry about the travel part so much. So yeah, I want to uh, enjoy as much time off as I can. I I still haven't... um, We thought about doing it today. Going to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We're going to do it next weekend, and it will still be in theaters next weekend because it seems like it's doing a, a little better this weekend than last. I mean, it made more money last weekend um, because that's what movies do generally when they are released. They make more money that opening weekend, but it underperformed expectation 
only had like a 40% drop-off for the second weekend. Uh, it made $60 million this weekend. So it's nice to see that uh, one part of the MCU working, although it's kind of bittersweet because James Gunn is now heading off to Warner Brothers, Discovery, AOL, Time, CNN, slash DC. You know, he's leaving the MCU behind, and this was kind of a a, a wrap-up of a, of a story that he was already telling. And so, uh, yeah, kind of bittersweet to see that. But fans, uh, I guess, do like the movie and some positive word of mouth about the movie, although not perfect. Uh, that will do. That will do, given uh, how bad a lot of Disney properties are failing right now. Uh, speaking of Marvel, this is on the comic book side of things, and I, I haven't read... I, I have trades. I read comic book trades. I read old school stories. I haven't collected monthly issues Jesus, in about 15 years, that's a long time. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of reasons why I stopped doing that, uh, money being one of them. But uh, I guess Frank Miller over the past year has become friendly with Marvel again. And it kind of surprised me to find this out because I just remember back in the 90s him going into uh, these fan magazines Ripping Marvel to shreds, and one of the big uh, sources of contention was the fact that they brought Elektra back, and Elektra was a Frank Miller creation. He killed her off in uh, the pages of Daredevil, and when he, she was brought back to life, he was pissed, and he said, never again. So he went off and did other things, created Sin City, did 300, did, tried his hand at Hollywood and all that stuff. I think he directed uh, that Spirit movie uh, based on the old Will Eisner property that bombed at the box office just uh, dis did piss poor um but he's done so many things and has been controversial over the years but uh, i guess he's back at marvel and i, I want to link this up on the mike davidson um kind of a compare and contrast on the podcast page of some of frank miller's art from his earlier days to some of these variant covers he's doing for marvel now and it's it looks like a parody of frank miller work that's how bad it looks. Uh, and I, it's kind of sad to see him like this. I mean, I love Marvel, don't get me wrong. I also love Frank Miller, but like, uh, I kind of like the fact that he wasn't doing anything with Marvel. That was kind of the whole thing about Frank Miller. And it's just like he's kind of cr coming back, crawling back because he has nothing else to do. Is that what's going on here? Um, so, yeah, that's on the that's going to be on the podcast page. But it just it kind of breaks my heart to see his art looking like it is it's it's like really bad caricature it's it's a carbon copy all right uh speaking of all thing uh things that are disney and carbon copy uh what was this guy's mina Massad. he's an egyptian canadian actor he was the star of the live action aladdin that came out a few years back and uh, did all right at the box office had a little bit of that will uh will smith star power uh, but uh, he has scrubbed his Twitter account because uh, there's a lot of trolls on Twitter, and they're not all right-wing trolls. They are uh, Mermaid fangirls, Little Mermaid live-action movie drops this month, and um, he commented on this movie and compared it to his live-action movie. And keep in mind that both these movies are just basically remakes of cartoons only in live-action form. It's it's a different movie when it's live-action or whatever the hell. Um, but uh, he wrote, I guess on his Twitter account, our film, Aladdin, 
was unique in that audiences went to watch it multiple times. It was the only way we reached the billion dollar mark with our opening. Aladdin made uh, $1.054 billion internationally and its initial box office numbers were considered a big win. He later tweets out, My guess is The Little Mermaid does not cross the billion mark, but will undoubtedly get a sequel. And then all these uh, Halle Bailey fans, all these, uh, uh, yeah, all these uh, fangirls, all these fanboys of uh, The Little Mermaid just raked him over the coals and just uh, ripped him up for not doing anything since Aladdin and saying, Oh, he's just being bitter, uh, jealous. Oh, yeah, that's why you say it won't reach the $1 billion mark. Uh, by the way, I want to say something. It's not going to reach the one billion dollar mark. Um, I'm I'm just not seeing it. Um, there's a big push to make the Little Mermaid this big blockbuster, and I just don't. I just think, you know, for all the talk of uh, superhero fatigue, I think there's just that fairy tale remake fatigue too. Uh, maybe it's not quite to the scope of superheroes, uh, but the Little Mermaid. Is kind of like the the people around it are crowning it kind of the way uh, some of the people around the Flash movie for uh, AOL Discovery Warner Palooza is trying to say it's the best comic book movie ever made and it's still not been released yet. Uh, but there's just been this push, and they're talking about how the movie's longer than the original, so there's gonna be more to this. Yeah, it's gonna be more to this. Um, and they're dropping some of these uh, posters, and uh, some some of the people have kind of uh, criticized uh, the CGI critters like Flounder. You have uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, you know, being Ursula, talking about the drag queen thing and how she was inspired by drag queens. I'm sure politically that's going to play well. Uh, and then you know, my uh, my uh, good friend uh, Joe Pretzel, who uh, he, he's a little more liberal than I am, he, he did point out. I mean, what's the point of going out to this movie? Seeing it in a theater when you know eight, nine weeks from now, it's going to stream on Disney+. Plus. He's got a point. And that's where Disney's been losing a lot of its money, is not only just the politics, but trying to keep Disney Plus afloat, uh, which is not making money. So all these uh, fangirls uh, jumped on Mina Masad for um, just pointing out something on Twitter. Nothing mean-spirited. Didn't say anything bad about Halle, uh, Haley Bailey. Or you know, or Haley Berry or whatever. No, 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 no. They, he didn't say anything bad about her. He just said he didn't think that this movie was going to cross the one billion dollar mark. Gets crushed for it. Um, and I, you know, he probably should have just stood his ground. You know, there's no reason to delete your or scrub or whatever the hell you did your Twitter account. Uh, these people are going to be trolls. And I and I've said this before. the the more to the more toxic Star Wars fan is the one that accepts everything is good not the one that criticizes it uh just like any fan will say hey how dare you uh badmouth this property uh, these people haven't even seen the remake of the little mermaid yet and they're already invested in it he he was just bringing up an economic reality i think and there's a lot of factors that play into it and it makes crossing that one billion dollar mark even more difficult all right, speaking of rabid fan bases, uh, Swifties are kind of merciless and humorless. Um, I, and I know this was kind of a big story from over the weekend out of Philadelphia, Taylor Swift versus uh, the security guard at one of her concerts there. 
apparently she stopped the show and said, hey, stop harassing my fan. Stop harassing. Because according to the fan, um, this the, the security guard was pushing back on her and her friends at um, at the, um, the barricade. Um, and I'm not sure how rowdy it got because there's no video footage of uh, them trying to jump over or if this was indeed an overzealous uh, security guard, but uh, the guard got escorted out, so I guess he didn't uh, do any more for shows uh, for, for that weekend. Um, and uh, the fan went on TikTok and thanked Taylor Swift for the free tickets for the next show. So she went and got to see two shows because of the security guard. And in a twofold, the reason why I'm not going to jump on Taylor Swift for intervening here, because I just don't see uh, video footage either way showing uh, the security guard in doing anything bad or good. I, there's just nothing. There's nothing. So I can't really say anything. Uh, but I will speak from my own experiences in the long ago, going back 20-odd uh, years here. Uh, when I was at Ball State, and I actually came up here to Fort Wayne for a concert. I think it was Standing Godsmack. And we were on the floor here uh, at the Coliseum. And I remember, just before the show got started, one gal got real... And we were on the floor, like I said. And I'm looking to my left, and there's a girl up in the stands, way up in the stands. And she decides to flash the crowd her boobs. One security guard from the other side, the other stands, runs down the stairs, up across the floor, up that route, and escorts her out for showing a pair of boobs. Like, some security guards do kind of get that way. And it, it sucks. Um, but, uh, you know, th that, that girl got escorted because she was just having too much of a good time. But... Uh, rest assured, we all booed that security guard. We couldn't throw him out like Taylor Swift, but we we booed him for uh, basically ruining concert behavior. So, I mean, unless something, uh, you know, and as much as I don't like the Taylor Swift fan base collectively, and, I, and I'm not saying if you like Taylor Swift, I hate you. I'm just saying like the Swifties that are just merciless. Uh, unless I see something uh, conclusive uh, about her uh, overstepping her boundaries or being in the right, I'm not really going to comment much more on that. But just rest assured, yeah, security guards at concerts can get a little overbearing. They're not fun. Of course, the job description says don't be fun. All right, uh, the big news, uh, Elon Musk has a new CEO for Twitter. And I got to say, I'm not, uh, not a fan. Linda... Yeah, Carino, uh, she was uh, the chief executive, sales executive over at NBC Universal. And she's already, uh, even last month, she was criticizing him publicly at a, a forum about some of the hate speech that has arisen on Twitter. Uh, so she's already been critical of him. And uh, now she's his pick for CEO. And this is, and there's a lot of conspiracy theories about this. You know, and, you know, she's a part of the World Economic Forum. And, you know, you've got the, um, you know, the Great Reset and all that. And I know that's uh, still kind of the realm of conspiracy theory. So we think. Um, I'm not really going to comment on that. I'm just going to comment on two things, why this was a piss-poor decision to hire her. Um, first of all, NBC Universal is your competitor, dude, Mr. Elon. Uh, it's mainstream media. She worked for somebody... Uh, that gives NBC News and MSNBC 
their paychecks. I mean, and she saw to it that there would be advertising revenue through their programming as good or bad and or very bad as it may be. So you pull her away and uh, you make her the CEO. And I want to say firsthand account here, politics aside, any account executive in any business is going to be more about their account than any content you provide. And I say this as a recovering radio personality. And um, I I could talk about a recent experience. Uh, and I got to be kind of careful how I award this. But uh, while I was back at the previous station, um, I had a segment called Open Bar. And uh, it was a segment that was uh, even before me was started up by my predecessor, but I kept the ball rolling, and uh, basically it was just like 5 o'clock rolls around, we play music, but we also get you know, your thoughts about a topic of the day, and uh, it was a lot of fun doing. Um, and one one particular open bar was based off, and this, and this was uh, just after um, I had gotten back from uh, being temporarily laid off due to lack of money because of COVID, and everything was covered this, covered that, very serious, very um, very dour, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there was this PSA about uh, talking about sex with your kids out of uh, New Zealand. It was funny because it featured a pair of porn stars coming up to this kid's mom, and they're both naked, but they're, they're hid, their bits are hidden a la um, Benny Hill. And they tell told her, hey, basically, if you're not going to talk to your kids about sex, we'll teach them what we know. And then uh, she, the mom turns around and starts up the sex talk with her son. And, of course, he's burying his hands, his head in his hands, and he's embarrassed. And I'm thinking, geez, this is a great PSA. And I'm, I'm kind of laughing at it. And because of it, I, uh, I the open bar that I chose to do for to- the topic for open bar was uh, the most awkward experience you had with sex, either the act itself or talking about it. And I got great calls, uh, some great stories, uh, and it went on for about an hour and a half. And that's when I knew, usually when I did that, I, that's when I knew I had a great open bar topic. Even better, even better, it was PG-13. I didn't have to use the dump button or anything with these callers. They they got it. They knew that they, there were some things they couldn't say on air. And so they coded it. They were smart. And this is like just a fun, funny, smart topic. Um, and this was a Friday, and I went into the weekend feeling good about it. But then su- Sunday, I had what I would call a disturbance in the force. Like if I if I'm feeling good for too long about something, something brings me back, and I can't say instinctively what that was, uh, other than just instinct. A couple days later, I'm in the PD's office, and I go, so is there anything wrong? And he goes, yeah, that, that topic you did Friday was, uh, it got some people upset. And at the time, we had a sales manager uh, who only got the job because uh, we were looking for a sales manager for that rock station. Uh, she initially hired in for the sports side of things, strict Christian woman, and of course, she was turned off about by it. And she thought about her clients, and he goes, yeah, she was a little upset about that. And the general manager's like, well, I thought Mike was a family man. Why was he doing this? You know, oblivious to the fact that, you know, I was a rock jock, and I also there's there's a reason why I have kids. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of getting, he goes, you know, next time you do this, you know, just kind of run it by me because, you know, they, you know, they want to make money. They want to sell stuff. And he goes, 
you know, that when the general manager was a salesperson for the competitor just down the road, uh, they would tape uh, the, the station back in the day and play the, the naughty content and say, hey, do you want to advertise for this uh, for the station? They would do this with clients. And I'm like, okay, great. How much money did the uh, the competition make? Because at last I checked, they were, you know, you know, sucking in ratings. But that, that was basically it. I was getting so much pushback from the sales side of things. Now, where does this uh, go into? Well, it goes into Twitter here because now you've hired a sales executive who's going to be uh, concerned about bringing in revenue. And not she's CEO, yeah, but her side of things is money. They want Twitter to make money, not just off of the $8 a month subscription thing. So she's going to be really, really conscious about these uh, advertisers that she wants to bring on or keep. And if these advertisers start uh, whining and bitching about, uh, you know, oh, well, they're not following in line with uh, with what everybody I'm talking to is falling in line with. Uh, when push comes to shove, the content is going to get, uh, get the stern talking to. Like, things will change if they have to make money. And Twitter basically, uh, is, it's like, uh, you know, we won't get fooled again by the who. Meet the old boss, same as the new boss. So, you know, that's, that's one reason why I'm not a big fan of, uh, or a couple reasons uh, why I'm not a big fan of Elon's pick. But then again, Elon, uh, for some of the good things he uh, thinks, uh, he thinks some crazy things as well. Speaking of crazy, uh, San Francisco is crazy. As you know, they've, uh, they're uh, one of many American cities. That's had a downturn lately, um, and I did link this up uh, a day or so ago on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. This uh, San Francisco newspaper, I think it was, I don't know if it was the Chronicle, but uh, this, uh, this social critic, this uh, media critic was upset because Dave Chappelle, himself a liberal, uh, himself a very funny comedian, uh, and uh, it, he's somebody that kind of goes against the grain on a lot of things, right? Uh, he booked a surprise show in San Francisco, and I'm pretty sure it's sold out. But he basically asked during the show, what the f happened to this place, man? What would you guys do? Because he was at a Thai restaurant, and he saw a, a homeless person literally defecated on the sidewalk in front of the restaurant. And the social media critic, or not social media critic, but the uh, media critic for this uh, newspaper was uh, basically uh, just uh, thumbing his nose at Dave Chappelle talking about how like he's a, a turf, somebody that believes in a, a genetic woman. It, it, yeah, that's totally Santa Claus, right? Um, and uh, you know his friendship with the trans comedian Daphne before Daphne's suicide a few years back. They don't mention what might have caused Daphne's suicide, by the way. And I've talked about this at great length. And in fact, uh, if you want uh, the actual version of the story, you just watch the closer on Netflix with uh, Dave Chappelle, right? But they were just like, you know, he comes into town and he's uh, insulting us. How dare he? How dare he? I mean, and San Franciscans are a little thin-skinned about this. But uh, I am going to link up this story on the Mike Davidson uh, uh, podcast page at least. Uh, there's this woman, this author. Uh, she writes for New York Magazine. Not to be confused with the New Yorker, although they're pretty much the same thing. Um, and she is from the Bay Area. And... Uh, she was trying to write this mag this magazine article to um, uh, prove wrong this death spiral story that's going around about San Francisco about how like uh, you know the homeless have taken over, drug uh, use has taken over, all these uh, you know. 
businesses leaving all these stores like Whole Foods and CVS and all this stuff. Well, she tried to disprove it, but you know when she looks back at it, you know last few years, Meta, the parent company for uh, for Facebook, has l- basically laid off twenty one thousand employees, uh, has ditched four hundred thirty five thousand feet of office space in San Fran, Sa- uh, Salesforce Tower, uh, Salesforce itself has laid off nine thousand employees, and has left some space behind. Uh, since uh, the beginning of 2023, first three months, 200 ODs in San Francisco, up 41% from last year. And uh, statistically speaking, uh, before, in terms of cell phone tra- uh, traffic, cell phone activity in downtown San Francisco, it is 32% of what it was prior to the pandemic. New York City, by the way, is at 75%. She found out that uh, a lot of the policies that um, have led San Francisco down this road have basically made San Francisco what it is now. Nobody goes there to work anymore. They work at home because of the pandemic thing. You've taxed away the middle class. Either you have stuff or you don't. It's have or have not in San Francisco. You've taxed away businesses. Uh, You have regulated everything in terms of, uh, well how you can hold your groceries in a store to uh, how you can hold your soda at a restaurant, drink from your soda at a restaurant. You've done everything except learn to keep the very people that you wanted to stay in the city. And now there is a homeless problem. Now there is a drug problem. And by the way, safe spaces for needles don't really look all that safe now. And this is not just in San Francisco. I was just on the phone with my mom uh, earlier this afternoon, and I uh, to wish her happy Mother's Day, and we were talking about um, uh, that we were talking about this subject, and she talked about you know the east side of Indy, and there's like uh, this little hamlet uh, just on the border of Marion County, which is uh, Indianapolis essentially, and uh, surrounding Hancock County. It's called Cumberland, and she said uh, that there was a survey, a couple surveys, one that said Cumberland was the safest place to live in Indianapolis. And one saying it was the worst. I am more inclined to believe the latter than the former. You know, maybe 30, 35 years ago, Cumberland was all right. Now uh, you have uh, gangbanger activity and you also have meth labs in uh, local motels there. It's not a good place. Cities are not fun anymore. Uh, They're not where it's at anymore. And it sucks. San Francisco's dealing with a homeless problem and a drug problem. El Paso is dealing with an influx of illegal immigration. Portland dealing with the same stuff San Francisco is. Chicago, it's overrun by gangs on the south side. It Cities, just, they're losing people because of bad policy. They don't want to punish those that do bad things or don't do things for themselves, but they'll gladly take the money from people who do want to be productive. That's why they're struggling. And with this pandemic in San Francisco, when you told people to stay at home, well, that affected restaurants, that affected coffee shops, that affected stores. And nature abhors a vacuum. Hence, the issues they're having in that town. So to get pissy about Dave Chappelle doing jokes about you, that's not the reason why things are terrible. By the way, uh, speaking of terrible... 
AI is a terrible concept, and uh, I've got another jackass here uh, who is working on AI and uh, is uh, okay with it so long as it doesn't take us over. Yeah, thanks a lot, guy. Where, where is this? Uh, let me bring it up. Um, sorry, I'm going through a lot of notes as I'm talking here. Um, I guess I lost it, but basically, <laughs> yeah, I lost it. I had it right in front of me. Uh, I will link it up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of the gentleman, but he works over in London. He's working on AI, and he says, look, there is a chance that it could take over and uh, basically run our lives, and we would be subservient to it. Or maybe you'll just get bored with us like that one Walking Phoenix Scarlett Johansson movie. Now, I tend to think of the James Cameron movies where AI tries to kill us. I know it sounds paranoid, but, I mean, God... Uh, this is uh, something where we're not considering the consequences. We might think about the consequences a little bit, but we're not really doing anything to safeguard ourselves. Right now, we're just using it to make humorous memes and uh, fake voices to sing songs. Uh, wait until it just basically takes over, puts you out of a job, and um, does other things to your life. Okay, uh, real quick, I want to I, I want to talk more about this maybe next podcast. Uh, but uh, Outkick had a very interesting article. Um, uh, this author has uh, talked about how, like, gambling apps, you know how we've talked about it with uh, the NFL and some other uh, pro leagues and how it's led to some uh, conflict of interest among athletes. Well, you know, now it's doing the same thing with college athletes. Uh, there is an investigation going on at both Iowa and Iowa State, um, and there's been some sponsorship opportunities, obviously, with with these apps in some schools, but uh, the author of this article, off the record and not revealing names, uh, talked to like five or so athletes in NCAA one NCAA one Division schools, and uh, they're they're talking about how like they'll use runners to go place bets for them, and they go, hey, what's the big deal if I put forty dollars down on a game and give it to somebody else? <laughs> well, I mean, if you're not betting on college sports or the game that you're playing in, I guess that's not a problem. But then again, can you really trust them? It's Pandora's Fly. It's open for everyone to see. All right, with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.